Have you ever tried to upload a video and been frustrated by the time it takes to land on the server? Now imagine you're a broadcast crew working the Super Bowl with hundreds of cameras that all have to upload video simultaneously. Transferring millions of data points and moving massive files with no latency puts your video upload woes to shame. It's no easy task, yet it gets done relatively seamlessly every single year. And for that, you need to send your thank you notes to Garrett Boss, CIO West Coast at Fox, where he is responsible for providing the infrastructure and technology to the broadcast crews that bring you your favorite sporting events and television shows. Our mandate really is to reduce friction everywhere we can to enable those creatives and those production people to spend all of their energy and time focused on those things. I want to remove every barrier, every hiccup, every challenge that they have that's not related to their talent of putting inspiring content on the air for our viewers. It's no small feat and the challenges are vast, especially when you consider that the media landscape is undergoing a renaissance. There are more needs to push content over the top platforms and customer expectations are getting higher and higher every day. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Garrett provides a unique look at how Fox went through a massive digital transformation in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Plus, he discusses the shift from a hardware mentality to a software mindset and how Fox is building scalable technologies with reliable partners. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have the CIO of the West Coast Fox Corporation, Garrett Boss. Garrett, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, pleasure to meet you. And uh, I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, let's dive right into it. So Fox is a huge company. We all know that. It's got many, many different forms of products, services, content, you name it, whatever you want to say it. Fox is huge. Where specifically do you work over? Because you kind of were just starting to describe it. You know, West Coast Fox, what's the difference between that and East Coast Fox? And then how does this all work and lay out? Because we understand that Fox, from the outsider's perspective, Fox is just huge. Right, right. Yeah. So Fox really has four divisions within it. Um, there's our sports division, which is, uh, you know, everything broadcast NFL, Major League Baseball, et cetera, that we, we put on the network in our FS1 and FS2 channels. And then there's Fox Entertainment, which is what you think about Mass Singer, you know, 911, all of those, all of those shows in, in prime time. And then there's Fox News, which is our news, cable news channel, which most people are familiar with. And then there's Fox television stations, which is a set of owned and operated uh, affiliates around the country that Fox manages. So our, our company is primarily based in New York and Los Angeles. And our, our two East Coast businesses are Fox News and Fox television stations. And on the West Coast, we have sports and entertainment. So I have a counterpart on the East Coast who uh, oversees the operations, the uh, technical and, and enterprise operations uh, on the East Coast. And I'm the West Coast CIO. So I, I manage our sports and entertainment stakeholders and make sure that they have uh, what they need from a, uh, from a technology perspective. So, you know, most people, when they watch a form of entertainment, whether it's sports, live television, some other a movie, they don't really think about how much technology that is behind it to get it going uh, or that it takes to support and deliver that content. 
And so I always describe it when people ask me, because they'll ask simple questions like, you know, can you send me this file? And of course, we know that email inboxes have limits. Anyone who's ever tried to upload a video understands that network speed has a big time factor in transporting goods. Talk about what it takes to support the business that you run, because you guys are moving files of unimaginable size, like, and it's got to be in real time and it's streaming and all these things have to happen. Talk about what you have to plan for as the CIO to support all this data that you're going to flow. And unlike other industries, by the way, there's no like, oh, if it gets to me overnight, that's cool. I mean, right? If I'm watching a game, you need to get this to me, Garrett, in real time. It's got to be reliable, right? Yeah. yeah I'm and, and I expect no drops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's our business. So we're a, we're a media and broadcast company that we're trying to uh, make that experience uh, impeccable for our viewers. Um, and then our our with all of our direct to consumer digital offerings, again, trying to make that that experience world class. In, in terms of the technology that's involved, you're right. I mean, it's you know the the, the file sizes have gotten enormous. So um, the processing of this data and making sure you have the bandwidth satellite uplinks all handled, all of that stuff managed properly, um, everything that's being distributed over IP, uh, making sure that that goes smoothly. I think one of the things that Fox focuses on compared to a lot of our competitors is um, we're all about what we say is the power of now, which is the power of live television. And it's a whole different ballgame sending a file or streaming something that's coming out of a, you know, it's already been filmed <laughs> versus being in a stadium, um, having drones flying around that stadium and putting on a live event and having that feed out over a broadcast network to all of our distributors and all the cable packages to also over the, uh, over the internet and have that all happen with low latency and with, with great reliability. So we put a great experience out there for the consumer and really maximizing uh, the advertising that we can do on those, on those, uh, on those events. So. I think you're right. It's it's very challenging, uh, and it's our business. Uh, but then on top of that, if you go to the live and focus on live, it gets even more challenging. I think Fox is really uh, does that well uh, compared to our competitors. We really focus on that. So talk a little bit about how you even plan for something like this, because you know I'm I'm curious because it's kind of like a chicken or egg kind of deal. I feel like you know camera technology improves, then resolution technology improves, then then TVs improve. But in order for you to take advantage of all this, your infrastructure has to support it, right? So what happens first? Do you build infrastructure? And then, then when someone launches, you know, the 8K camera or 8K vision, you'll be like, oh, we can take advantage of that. Or does someone have to invent the technology? And then you're like, oh, geez, we have to do something to support that. Because obviously high def 4K TV, that wasn't around just 10 years ago, but now it's here. And then we already, you already know plenty of customers want to see their content in that uh, resolution. Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think, you know, one of the things that happened in the media and broadcast world, and again, this is my, my, my focus is around enterprise technology. And so I have my my colleagues that I work with who sort of manage our media and broadcast operations. But within that media and, and broadcast space, it evolved from a from a hardware type world into a software world. And what we did um, as a company when we launched two years ago after the the Disney acquisition was we re rethought all of our media and broadcast workflows and, and everything that we were doing there partnered very, very closely with AWS. It's in the press, you know, AWS is one of our key partners in terms of building out our media and broadcast capabilities and doing some amazing things there. 
but we switched from a hardware mentality to software mentality. And so really rethinking all of those workflows, which allows us to continue and innovate as, you know, uh, we go to 4K and 8K, as you, as you mentioned, um, we were sort of locked in in the hardware world in a way that sort of slowed down that innovation process and sort of taking all of those systems out of that on-prem infrastructure world and moving it up into the cloud and leveraging software allows us to more rapidly innovate with partners that are out there on the on the cutting edge of that technology, which which was a key for us. I guess what give us a rundown of what like what's a week look like to you? Because I feel like entertainment's obviously one of the most competitive industries. Yeah. There's no question, right? And then you're only as good as I feel like your last at bat, right? You guys launch a show, so it doesn't work, or you know, I've seen this happen, whether it's for Fox or ESPN, where like let's say the the on screen graphic digital banner isn't good, like people kill it, right? Like they're on Twitter right out the gate. They don't like it. They're already killing like, why would they do this? You know? So it's an industry where you're constantly being judged by your last greatest success, right? Nobody cares about what you've done because I need ratings today or tomorrow. I don't need ratings a month ago. It doesn't matter. It already happened. Right. Right. So how do you guys, is it like a constant, Hey Garrett, we need you to help evaluate these services, these technologies to help us improve our ability to deliver content in real time to customers. Is that what you're like weeks like, or is it working on other things like how do you what's the split between like building up your business and then also in innovating and investing in future business how do you split your time yeah i think the the focus from for me is working closely with all of the stakeholders across the business to understand their challenges and making sure that uh, our technology team our enterprise technology team is aligned with what they need so you know working closely with the marketing groups our production groups, um, working with our sales teams, um, legal and finance, and just making sure that the innovation that they need and the changes that you're talking about in, in the media and entertainment industry, which is constantly being disrupted and constantly trying to reinvent itself, we have to be flexible, but above all, be aligned with those stakeholders to understand, okay, what's coming up next? What is your challenge? You know, don't t- don't tell me what exactly you need, but tell me what your challenge is. Let me work with you on understanding that mm-hmm. and and bring technology to bear to uh, to to drive value for you. So, in terms of the you know day to day production and the the creative processes, our mandate really is to reduce friction everywhere we can to enable those creatives and those production people to spend all of their energy and time focused on those things, right? I want to remove every barrier, every hiccup, every challenge that they have that's not related to their talent of putting, you know, inspiring content on the air for, for our, uh, for our viewers and, and, uh, you know, streaming as well. So. I worked with a couple of different media companies and one of the things that was very clear to me when I was there, and you can tell me if things have changed, is that each show is like its own little mini business. Yeah. Like each show is own, like, if I'm on Mass Singer, I don't really work on other things. Right. And then, so I'm curious, does each of the shows or properties or however you, however you guys label them inside of Fox, do they come to you with different requests? Like, hey, Garrett, I need a solution for X. And then, you know, someone else who's on the FS1 broadcast comes and says, hey, Garrett, I need something for Y. You know what I mean? Because- uh, I'll use something I just watched recently on FS Sports. FS Sports uh, was doing, I'm an avid surfer. I've said it many times on IT Visionaries. 
World Surf League, right? And so you're in Rot Nest, some island out in the middle of Australia. I don't know what it takes, what kind of infrastructure it takes to bring that image to me, but it came to me in live. You know what I mean? I was yeah, watching yeah. live surfing in Australia while sitting there in, in my uh, chair. But then Mass Singer is a show that is filmed and then produced and then aired. It's, you know, it's already filmed. It's not, oh, I don't know if it's live. Actually, it might be live. It, it seems like it's not live, but you, know, you mentioned some of the other shows are definitely filmed first. So each one's going to have different demands. Is, is that kind of what you, how do you, I guess, oversee all that? Because each team has unique demands and, you know, I guess there's some similarities, but I'm sure there's quite a few differences too. Yeah. I think the, the production side of our, of our business, you're right. Every sort of production has its own team that's focused on their goals and they have their own set of unique challenges. Once that production is created, we've got a We've got to monetize it. Uh, we've got to clear the rights for it. There's a whole large business operation behind the scene that's sort of managing the, like I said, the monetization and 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 delivery of that capability. And and that's where my team uh, is heavily focused. It would be a little cumbersome, I think, for uh, productions to try to go to um, an enterprise IT technology organization to solve their their challenges. What we try to do with productions is put nimble fast teams working closely with those groups that can solve their problems that kind of can tie back to the mothership and understand mm-hmm. sort of what what's in their toolkit. But, you know, there's no way that, you know, if you're a, a sports producer putting on a show that you're going to file a service now ticket and wait for a response from a, from an enterprise technology organization, you've got to, you've got to get the problem solved within the moment uh, because that game is going to be broadcast and you've got to solve, you've got to solve it quickly. So there's, there's resources that are on those, those production teams that help them solve those, those, uh, those production challenges. By the way, you're, you mentioned your surfer. So regular foot or goofy foot? I'm a regular foot. Me too. Okay, good. So I, I was talking to a normal guy. So. <laughs> Although my son is goofy foot. I, I don't know how he picked it up. He just, he's through, he, he, I taught him how to surf. He's only 12 years old, but he just popped up goofy. I'm like, all right, whatever. Nice. Sorry. I didn't mean to digress there. But. No, that's uh, first of all, this will make it to the show and it's much more interesting than just playing IT. So <laughs> you kind of hit on some of the things that you know, resonated with me. And I was thinking like, it's almost like a team of teams, you know, what I mean? yeah. like, because you were saying like, that's what you need to build. So I guess, you know, from your position, where do you, I guess, most directly influence? Are you like part of that? You know, you mentioned the monetization efforts. And so you have the enterprise tech stack. Yeah. Is that team of teams, do they roll up to you as well? Or how does like, what do you, what do you oversee? Cause you know, that's a fun thing. We always ask our CIO CTO guests is, you know, some things they, they definitely are involved in other things are like, Hey, I don't know too much about it because <laughs> you can't do it all. It's really tough. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. It's a great question. So my, my focus is on our, on our ad sales systems, um, on our, on our marketing systems, on our production planning, uh, systems, really the enterprise, uh, technology that helps us plan and manage our business. And so, uh, the production groups, roll up under the business units themselves. And they have uh, technology folks that are part of those teams. I partner with them. Uh, we work with them regularly, but those, that's, not my, that's not my area of responsibility. So, but, uh, but we, like I said, we need to partner with them and make sure that we reduce friction and, and uh, help them as much as we can. I'm assuming on the, since you're on the monetization side, the ad side, that means you're part of the business analytics. The viewer analytics, if you will. Yeah. And this is one of those things that, so we've been told, I don't think it's going to be a problem much longer, is that OTT content is harder to buy right now, or it's not as sophisticated. That's what we've been told. 
that they're used to buying, I guess, on like, you know, more like traditional ad platforms that have like, you know, figured out every piece of inventory that's out there that you can place it. Talk a little bit about, are you at the forefront of building the data sets that are going to help OTT platforms better monetize your channels? How is that going to look? Because, you know, in one sense, you Fox and FS, like, well, let's use FS1s, the sports content, right? It's available. I can watch it live on TV. And if the, you know, Fox, of course, can monetize the inventory, but then the OTT players can monetize the inventory too. I can clearly see slots where like, you know, the Google ad info or Hulu advertisement, you know, they, they identify that. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how much, how much data, I guess, let's start there. Like, first of all, what does it take to make sure that the OTT platforms have enough information so that they can also sell ads themselves? And does that fall on you as well? Yeah. So on the linear side of our business, which is the traditional broadcast, there aren't as many opportunities to collect data about the viewers. I mean, there's clearly Nielsen provides that data mm-hmm. and we need to leverage that, but uh, that's completely the impressions that uh, are tracked on the, on the digital side is a huge opportunity to collect all of that data and leverage that to put the right product in front of the right consumer at the, at the right time. Right. Um, and so that's clearly where our business is going, moving from, uh, you know the linear linear world into into the digital space because there's just a much better opportunity to sell advertising within that realm and data as you mentioned drives all of that right uh, the more data you have uh, the more targeted your ad placements are in that in that process so what's interesting is it, the fundamentals of Fox if you look at our our, our balance sheet um, and our revenue streams linear is still king right like the we're just going through the upfront process now and and uh, the ad sales dollars are in the billions of dollars, right? That uh, uh, we're able to add, monetize our, our broadcast networks and, and the NFL, you know, is still king in terms of advertisers, but uh, we're moving to that, that digital space and, and, and leveraging data more and more. Our goal as a company is, is building up that digital capability. And, but being, being true to our, our fundamental, which is live sports, live events, and then also having advertising within that capability. If you look at like the big players in, in, uh, in the media entertainment industry, they've gone through the subscriber model where people you know, subscribe and it's ad-free. Fox believes that there's, there's a place for advertising. Right. And not every model for the consumer is, is uh, um, going to be around you know, a subscription model. Um, if you look at our big acquisition last year, right at the start of the pandemic, was, uh, was Tubi. And put Tubi is you know an AVOD platform, advertising video on demand platform, and they're really doing amazing things. And it really puts us in the forefront of that of that AVOD space and what they're doing with data and 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 how they're leveraging data to do recommendations to consumers and to making sure that those consumers see the right advertising that's relevant to them on that platform is is amazing. I mean, some of the stuff that they're doing is is, is extraordinary and cutting edge. And that's where uh, we want to take those opportunities as we move more into a digital company and expand that. And, and our group will help the businesses drive that, uh, drive that capability. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we, we talk about is like, you know, for a lot of our guests, when they reach a certain size or they're doing something specific in an industry that just doesn't have a lot of players, there ends up not being a lot of service providers either. And that a lot of the biggest toolkits that they need, they have to build themselves. Are you, do you find that for yourself? Because, you know, the reality is that there's only a handful of companies that, <laughs> that do what you guys do. Yeah. Right. 
and it's at a certain size and scale that most people wouldn't understand. No different from if I was to open my own, like, let's say local delivery service, I wouldn't understand the logistics and the software that supported me wouldn't support, you know, UPS. UPS had to build their own stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we interviewed GE Digital. GE has to build their own stuff because there's nobody else can make it or there's not enough customers for someone else to make it for you. <laughs> yeah. Do you find your organization in that boat where you have to basically build your own toolkits so that you can support what you're attempting to accomplish? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we had a chance in the last couple of years to rethink all of that at Fox. So the story behind that is basically when Disney bought 70% of 21st Century Fox and New Fox spun out, we for all of the, the businesses that were commingled between Disney and Fox, we had to take the systems and figure out who was going to who was going to own those systems and provide a service back to the other the other party when that transaction happened. And then there's a what's called the transition service agreement, and you have a fixed time frame to sort of get off those systems and stand up your own. Um, we chose uh, in working with Disney uh, for many reasons. It made sense for them to take the systems and for Fox to figure out a new set of platforms and build those for ourselves and. It was uh, a massive challenge, but one of the keys that we had to figure out in that process was what do we need to buy and what do we need to build ourselves, right? Where do we need to focus our energy to be a differentiator in the marketplace? What we realized is in a lot of those legacy platforms that we, we moved over to the Disney side um, and that we had now had the opportunity to rethink and rebuild is that I think we over-indexed on, on building ourselves, Right. And I think there's a couple of reasons why. One, the with software as a service, platforms as a service, there's just a lot more innovation happening in our industry now, right? Compared to you roll back the clock to 10 years ago, right? You can find a niche player who is really doing an amazing innovation on, on ad sales, right? And, and uh, creating an amazing software. So you don't have to reinvent commodity type things where you can focus all of your energy on what sort of differentiates you in the marketplace. And so long answer to your question, but we went back and forth all across the board and we really tried to focus on not rebuilding everything ourselves, but looking at what's, what's out there as a, as a, as a cloud platform and where it's not hundred percent there, where can we partner with some major players to have them build it with us? And uh, we did that with Salesforce. We did that with AWS. We did that with with Operative, uh, which is a key player in the in the um, ad sales space. So I think the the fact that we were able to sort of make all of those decisions right now in this at this time was a huge advantage over sort of the, the legacy platforms that sort of I think over indexed on that build ourselves point of view. Were you given an ultimatum? Was there like a firm time frame? Like, hey, this has to be done in this window of time. Yes, <laughs> that was a, yeah. It, it was a legal deadline. The the uh, Disney Corporation was not going to be in the business of supporting Fox, <laughs> so yeah. we set we set up a a, a legal uh, time period. It was two years. So the the deal closed on March nineteenth, two thousand nineteen, and on uh, March nineteenth, twenty twenty one, we had to be done with the with um, the new systems and not only the new systems but we we actually uh, sold our whole broadcast operation and that all moved over to Disney so we stood up in our media broadcast team under Jeff Dow stood up a whole new uh, broadcast center in Tempe Arizona and that was where I was mentioning earlier we partnered with AWS and it's just all state-of-the-art brand new 
technology that uh, we were able to stand up there that really puts us on the forefront. And it was a huge opportunity to, to innovate, not only on, on the media broadcast side, but then on the business application side as well, which is what I oversee. And I think the real opportunity came from sort of the enabling automation, but by integrating tightly those business applications with our media and broadcast side so that we cut massive amounts of cost out of our overhead, sort of get, getting rid of swivel chair integration and yeah. uh, a lot of just uh, old uh, legacy processes that we were able to reinvent. Scary because we only had two years to do it. But you know, looking back on it now, I have to give a lot of credit to our CTO, Paul Cheesborough, who, who sort of drove that call because you know, I, I tell people that sometimes it was kind of like uh, when Cortez discovered the new world, he burnt his ships and just made his crew <laughs> focus on the new world. Like we made the decision, you got moved them all over there. You got two years to get this done. And it was a forcing function. Everybody from the business, you know, business stakeholders, everybody across my team was laser focused because we had no choice. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, clarity comes from having no choice. <laughs> so we had to get this done. <laughs> right. And we really embraced that clarity and uh, were able to get it done, which was great. Yeah. Well, you see that a lot at big companies or we've seen that a lot with our, our guests that have been on the show where if there's no forcing function, if there's no time constraint, then inaction is usually what will happen. Like yeah. de- it'll default to like, let's keep things the way they are. You're spot on that, that, <laughs> you know, and now that the TSA deadline is passed, I I'm seeing that like, that creep in a little bit like what's the rush let's talk about this more let's <laughs> so it, like, it, it's, i'm like you know and i'm in a mentality of let's you know let's make these decisions and get this done and uh i have to i do have to slow down a little bit now because we don't have that two-year deadline anymore you know we've kind of moved past it yeah but uh there is that sort of danger of slipping back into your you're right like sort of that uh inaction sometimes right and, and we want to avoid that for sure you know when that project first hit your desk i'd love for you to share with our audience you know, a lot of times people get scared. I don't know what the best way, like they, they look at huge problems and they can be overwhelmed with a huge challenge. And this to me sounds like a huge challenge, right? You just said you're going to reassess the whole business because certain things are going to move. Some things are going to stay. You're going to have to either A, build something back, or you're going to have to invest in a vendor. We've been told from different leaders that have been on the show, it, is, it can be a nightmare to buy nowadays because uh, the vet technologies, because there are so many, but yet, you know, your industry is very unique. So I, I know you have colleagues or people that you rely on for good information. Talk about, I guess, that day when that project hit your desk. You know, the news goes on. I'm sure you you might have had some inside knowledge that this was going down. But when you kind of saw the scope of the project that was going to be your next two years, how did your mindset shift or how did your mindset go to, to like, how do we solve this? Because we, we understand the forcing function part of it. But then how did you just like, like start triaging and be like, okay, this is how I'm going to do this? Yeah, it's a great, great question. We did have a little bit of ramp up before the new company started so that when the transaction with Disney was announced, there's, you know, federal regulations and you know, it has to go through the approval processes and everything. And so the, the close date was set and we sort of had a time to think about what we wanted to do for the new company, although we really couldn't start because we were operating under the old, the old company. But the first thing that I realized for my team is that we have to have a solid team. We were replacing basically all of our enterprise systems across the board. Uh, there was no way to sort of have a, a hierarchical structure where decisions were sort of made at the top and forced down. And we have constant reviews where one or a small group of people make those decisions. We need to have a talented group of people that 
had clarity of direction um, that worked well as a team um, that were give credit to uh, often in Patrick Lencioni who came up with this concept of humble, hungry, smart people who can work well on a team to be able to drive these projects and, and move this forward and, and stick to the deadlines. And it was really my function as the leader of the team to make sure there was absolute clarity on what needed to be done and constantly work with all the groups to identify blockers and time and issues that were, where, where there was a lack of clarity either with us, with the stakeholders on the project, with the vendors that we're working with, right? And then get people in the room, debate the options, and then make a decision, commit to that decision and move forward, right? There was sort of, we had this mantra that every day counts. Like we can't take a day off in this process and sort of kick this decision down the road. Every single day counts if we're going to hit this two-year two-year deadline, right? And so there was no time for politics or uh, dysfunction on, on the team. The team had to operate uh, with autonomy and it had to operate with clarity and it had to operate, had to operate well as a, as a team. Um, and so uh, that was really the first focus was how do we build that team? How do we get that team onboarded and, and then allow those great people, um, which they are all amazing technologists and great, great people, how do we allow them to be successful? That was really my focus during that, during that process. So, you know, I use that military term from before is like, a, you know, that idea of team of teams, this concept that each individual unit can operate independently, that you can count on them, that you know that they won't miss the deadline. That's awesome that the group was built, your organization's built that way. No, no question about it. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, where you are today now, because now that those, that project is complete. Yeah. It sounds like it was completed like about two months ago, right? That time recording is completed about two months ago, but you... We also talked earlier that this industry doesn't stop, right? You're in an industry that's constantly going to be innovating, acquiring IP, selling off IP. It's just how, this is the name of the game. This is how the media business works. Right. What's entertainment, you know, from your perspective, outside of Fox even, just from what you've seen work on audience shifts, what are some of the things that technology do you think is going to unlock to create when it comes to entertainment in the future? Like, so, you know, a lot of things people ask us about are include augmented reality. Let's start there. Like, will television programming ever be mixed with augmented reality? When do you think that would happen? You know, I'd love to hear some of, you know, I think we as a society want more experiential things. I think we're getting to the point now we just don't want to see it. Like we want to, you know, like something else has to happen. Yeah. We certainly already know application immersions already happen where like companies, you know, Mass Singer actively gets me on my phone to participate with the show. Yeah. We saw that. We've seen that since, uh, you know, uh, American Idol. There's always ways of getting people involved. Now, technology has allowed this to happen. So talk about where do you see like the entertainment industry in general? What is going to be unlocked in the next handful of years? It's a mixture of two things, I think. I think one of the things that we have to do is continue to have compelling storytellers, right? You as, as a, an audience, me as an audience, all of these, these other things that help us engage in the story at the end of the day, don't work unless you have a compelling story, right? And so fundamentally, we have to make the process and production of content and telling the story of a NFL football game or telling the story of a live news event, right? Um, or a breaking news story. We have to have talented people 
who understand how to tell that story, right? So from my point of view, we never can get away from that. Like there's never going to be a technology solution that solves that completely. What we can do is augment that, right? And make people rabid fans where they're going to want to engage with those storytellers in new and different ways, right? So I think fundamentally, you know, this is sort of above my pay grade at Fox, but our uh, CEOs of the different divisions are focused on bringing in people who can tell that story in a compelling way for the audience and understand what makes us emotionally connect with it. And then when we build rabid fans to that, to that story, we want to have them engage in it in any way they can. Right. And that can be simple ways of, you know, expanded content, following, you know, the behind the scenes stories for it. And that's where I think a lot of our digital properties are coming in and providing and augmenting that experience. I think the, the idea of augmented reality and, and, you know, using that to tell a story is fascinating. But at the end of the day, if the story is not compelling, it's, it's sort of, it won't drive anything, to be honest with you, in, in my, my point of view. So we have a fundamental in our group, which is our mission statement, which is how do we remove the friction for our storytellers, right? Like every day in and day out, how do we go in and make their lives easier? Like I said earlier, so they can focus most of their time on that process of producing a great story and telling a great show. And, and like I said, it's, it expands everything from, you know, the entertainment comment like 911, where you think of that all the, right out of the back gate, all the way to, you know, the guys that are on the NFL crew that are, you know, showing that or broadcasting that game, you know, between two NFL teams on, on, uh, on Thursday night, right? Like the, 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 both those things, there's a story element to that, that we just have to give them the information they need, solve the problems that, uh, that they need to solve so that we can, uh, we can continue to tell those stories. No, I, to piggyback off your point, I remember, you remember back in the day where I think it's still this today, I just don't happen to game as much now, but when you would complete a video game, it would tell you like who wrote the story. And I remember thinking to myself, like, who cares? Like, I didn't even know there was a story. But now that I'm older and look <laughs> back on it, it's like, it's very clear that the game titles that have longevity, it's, it's more than just the, game, the way the game is played. Like, people, for whatever reason, they fall in love with the story. It sounds insane, right? Like, why would you care about two plumbers jumping on turtles to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to save the princess from the king turtle? Yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, people are emotionally connected. Even though Mario and Luigi don't really say anything in the game, I, I agree with you. I don't, no one can really put their finger on it. Cause if they did every, every movie, every show would be awesome. Right. But that storytelling could be, I agree with you 100%. Like AR, VR, people will not fall in love with creative because of technology. It's technology supplements it. If it's a great story. Right. Right. Fully with you there. Garrett right now, it is time for us to go through the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Garrett, thank you for sharing so much about your work and your career at Fox, but now it's time to ask you questions so that our audience can get to know you outside of work. You ready? I'm ready. All right, Garrett, you are already alluded to that you are a regular foot surfer. How, how long have you been surfing? I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, so oh. I've been surfing for most of my life, but I live down in the the South Bay in Los Angeles. And so I really, uh, I have a rule. I've got kids and the whole bits so that's taken away from my surfing time, but the, 
I got to get out in the water. I got to get wet once a month at least. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the water at least uh, two to three times a month, and, but at least once a month. <laughs> so surfing tends to bring people to really exotic places. What's one of your more favorite trips that you've been on? Uh, Costa Rica. I think that's probably one of the better, better uh, surf trips I've been on. So any reason why? The waves were amazing. The, the water was warm. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference from Santa Cruz. <laughs> the, uh, the environment was, was fun, you know? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, Santa Cruz, I like to say, is uh, it's a lot of cold water and uh, and big fish. <laughs> yeah, mad sharky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fish with teeth. We also learned from our producers that you were quite the sports fan. Is that accurate? I am. I'm a, uh, I'm a rabid uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams fan, to be honest with you. Oh, Rams. They, you guys got close. Almost got there. I know. I know. Yeah. We're, I'm, you know, it's that time of year where this is going to be the year we got uh, we got Stafford we're, we're this is going to be the year that we, we win the Super Bowl you know that the Super Bowl is being played at uh, SoFi Stadium this year so looking forward to maybe getting our chance at a home home Super Bowl game yeah it's a insane stadium have you gotten a chance to actually go inside SoFi Stadium I have yeah it, it is it is a uh, amazing place uh, Stan Kroenke in the in the, the LA Rams deserve a ton of credit for building that facility it's just beautiful it's 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 a it's a huge gift to la uh, to be honest with you i think anybody who gets the chance you don't have to be a sports fan just go check it out it's it it is an amazing amazing facility for those that aren't aware this is a i think the price tag is was just over two billion right around this the cost to build this building but the problem was it was finished during the pandemic so no one actually got to experience it. well not many people got to experience it and no one's gotten to experience it full Yes, there hasn't been a game, a live game there yet. So we're looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, sorry. There's been games, but no crowd yet. Yeah, yeah. Never, not full capacity. Yeah, there's been games, but like there's, you know, random here and there. There's a spot person there. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's interesting about Los Angeles, and are, you're based in Los Angeles right now. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my brother went to UCLA or excuse me, his wife did. So he, by default, he lived near Westwood. But every time I go to LA, I always ask for tips. And I got to ask you for the tip as well. How do we avoid traffic and how do we get out, out of LAX quickly? <laughs> how do you avoid traffic in LA? Uh, get a helicopter, I think. <laughs> I think it's probably the best way to do that. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, LAX is, a, is miserable in terms of like Friday nights. Like if you don't, don't fly into LAX on Friday night or Saturday night, like you'll just sit in gridlock. Um, if you can get those off hours arrival times in, the, in LAX. That's my only advice, to be honest with you. So. What is the road they call like World Way? Is that what they call it the, that goes through LAX? Century Boulevard. Century Boulevard. All right. So yeah, yeah. I remember dropping off a rental car and being there and like we were not moving and I, I could clearly see like, uh, you know, my drop off, my airline was right there and I was just like, can I get out, please? Like, no, we can't let you out. Like, please let me out right now. Like this, <laughs> judging by the pace of this flow, I'm not going to be able to get to the gate. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how crowded that airport gets and the, the fact that there's no train that goes to that airport. Hopefully they're going to solve that problem soon. So Hopefully so. Hey, I got one more question for you. I think this will help. If I was wanted to get into this field, what would you suggest? Like, imagine I'm a student. What would you suggest I be studying? Like besides just computer engineering or software engineering, computer science, like what should I be studying if I want to get in specifically a media tech? I feel like you're a media technologist. I don't know, but, but how would you describe yourself and what would you suggest for someone who's just coming up and what they should focus their uh, focus on learning? 
You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because there's a lot of people who work in media entertainment industry and technology who have backgrounds outside of technology. I, I studied engineering myself, but uh, there are people who studied, you know, film and there are people who, who focused uh, on business. I think the, uh, the key is, you know, just focusing on, a, I think, a hard discipline that helps you solve problems, right? If you're not feeling challenged and you don't feel like you're solving problems, in, uh, in what you're studying, move to something that excites you and that you're solving problems and build up that muscle and that skill set. And when you move into this industry, there's, there's going to be new and dynamic challenges that you can't, you're never going to learn the skill set that translates into the future, right? You have to learn how to solve problems in the future, right? So um, I think uh, focus on, on, uh, on problem solving and, and, uh, and challenging yourself. There you go. Great advice. Garrett, I appreciate you joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing some of the work that you've done, the vision for the future, some of the things you've enabled at Fox. And also thanks for sharing a little bit about, you know, your love for sports. And I'll take that tip in LA anytime. If I have to go visit someone, I'm just not going to come out on Friday. So I'm, I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. Like I just don't. I <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, like many other people, have had bad experiences at LAX. I mean, I think everyone has. Yeah. Well, thank you for this, this opportunity. It's been great talking to you. And uh, I just want to say that, uh, you know, I love working with a great group of people uh, at Fox and I've got a great team of technologists and uh, really proud to be part of that group. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to sort of describe the great work that they've done. Garrett, next time I'm in South Bay, I'll have to hit you up. We'll have to go hit, hit the waves. Hopefully the waves will be breaking. That'd be awesome. I'd uh, love to go out with you. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform.